0: Good morning. I'm Paul, host of the New PNL podcast, and founder of the New PNL Brand Purpose Institute, where we work with business leaders, employees, and entrepreneurs just like you, and empower them to build brands with purpose on purpose. And we do this through an extensive range of workshops, consultancies, strategic counsel, and keynotes. So, if you'd like to discuss how to build your brand with purpose on purpose, then please don't hesitate to get in touch at principlesandleadership.com. The new PNL podcast is now listened to by business people, leaders, and employees in over 80 countries right across the globe, and it's something we're very proud of. And this week, we're going to give a massive shout out to all of our listeners and supporters in another one of those 80 plus countries, and that is Canada. A massive thank you to our Canadian listeners for your ongoing support and your belief in our global movement for more principled leadership and more purpose-led business. You are an important part of this movement. And if you'd like to keep it growing i encourage you to send a link or a recommendation to your colleagues your managers your business networks right across canada let's keep the global movement for a new pnl growing this week's guest is the awesome alex barker alex is co-author of the brilliant new book how to be more pirate a keynote speaker and coach at the be more pirate consultancy which works with businesses to help them reclaim their power their purpose and their true potential so Alex, a very warm welcome to the new PL. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure, my pleasure. Perhaps we could start the conversation with you giving listeners just a bit of a quick background into who you are, what you do, and who you do it for.
1: Sure. So I'm Alex Barker, and I run something called Be More Pirate, which is actually about real pirates, but it began life as a book written by my co-pirate and colleague, Sam Conniff, who's a a social entrepreneur originally. He wrote the book and it was published by Penguin in 2018. And as a result of a few well-timed publicity stunts, um, there was a huge sort of interest, like outpouring of interest in the book from individuals, but also from companies and organizations looking to kind of rewrite their rules in some respect. So Mm -hmm. um, I came on board as his right-hand pirate in early 2019. And we've kind of grown the book into a... Uh, I, I know it's hard to define exactly what it is um, it's a social movement I'd say but it's also we have a commercial side to it so we consult with companies we run workshops to help businesses change and adapt to the uncertainty of the 21st century and and also use a better code of ethics mm-hmm. we into the future that the ethical side of it is really important to us so and we use that we use the principles of the original golden age pirates um, and, and look at how they ran things to inspire teams.
0: Awesome the, the idea of being a pirate or a radical or an innovative free thinker however you want to define it appeals to many people in business however the I guess for a multitude of reasons it's harder to be that pirate or that free thinker and even harder to sustain it over time mm-hmm. especially with an organization that doesn't share or understand that desire and you know, you're not often a pirate on a pirate ship. You're often a pirate on a cruise ship. <laughs> that That's part of the challenge, I think. So what does an individual who wants to be a pirate in that environment do? What, what's the first step they take?
1: Yeah, that's always the first question. Can you be a pirate in the Navy? Because most yeah. of the organizations are like the Navy. Uh, yeah, so yes, of course you can. And yes, it's hard. I, I, I just want to say that straight away. Um, rebellion, challenging the way things are done is a hard road to take but it's a, such a rewarding one so I think first of all is shifting your mindset to appreciate that the the path is uncomfortable and you can embrace the feeling of uncomfortability and start to get used to that as a recognition of growth and change that is valuable to the world um and not expecting it to be easy I think <laughs> that that's part of the obstacle in your way is when you think that mm-hmm. it's going to feel as smooth as you know a, I don't know a, a promotion or something so there's that, and then I think the first steps are really, you know, we always say find your crew. There are, if you're feeling frustrated about something in an organisation, 100%, there are other people feeling that way. They're just not voiced it, or you haven't found the right people. You're not in the team that feels frustrated, or you can find people outside of your sector, like cross-sector crews, are a really big thing too. um So go and find those people. Go down to the cafe down the road, or the pub, or whatever. And have a conversation and start to voice what feels frustrating to you so many of our the crews in our network have, have formed that way um it might take two months it might take two years to get to the point where you feel ready to you know rebel or launch a kind of music mm-hmm. of some kind um but get your first first get your crew together find your allies the second but then sometimes you know maybe that's not possible or for whatever reason it's that's a longer path to take and you want to get things moving straight away so the second thing I always say is find a small bold action that you can take because because it's so hard to do and because it can feel so frustrating and you you're like you're banging your head against a brick wall like why don't these people get it you need to give yourself momentum you need to find a way to energize yourself on this journey like all kinds of activism, activism and I say activism in a very broad sense of that when you're trying to make a change in an organization you are an employee activist in some respect mm-hmm. So you need to like fill your tank, give yourself that energy. The small bold action is something that you can logistically, um, it is logistically easy to achieve in the in the next cup, you know, week, let's say, um, that will start to move the dial on the bigger change that you want to see. So you've got to find that, that that action. Um, and even plan a series of them so that every day you're kind of reinforcing like this is the purpose, this is the bigger rule or change I wanna see, but I've gotta give myself momentum. And then what you'll also see is that when you start to do that and you set a new precedent or you can make a small change, um, other people will start to pay attention. They'll go, oh, I didn't know that that could be different. And then you'll start, again, you get a bigger momentum and you'll start to get your second and third followers. Um, Cause that's all you're doing as a pirate. You're trying to show that an alternative is possible. Yes. Not it's- to kind of create a riot. That's where people kind of start to go wrong. So they they're like, I just wanna shout about what's wrong. And then I'm calling it out, and it's like calling it out is is useful, but you've got to be strategic about it because all that you'll tend to get in that situation is defensiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, so the setting new precedents and finding, you know, being a little bit cheeky with it, you know, don't always ask for permission, but don't do something that you that really will be catastrophic to your position. Um, you know, I would say like really avoid the things that genuinely will get you fired. You can build up to the bigger mutiny. That
0: yeah, makes sense. In the presentation I saw you deliver recently, and in the book as well, you gave a very deep insight into the world of pirates and pirate ships, and you busted a lot of the myths and, I guess, attempted to redefine the perceptions that we often carry about who Mm -hmm. pirates are. What, um, What cultural norms do we need to shift in business like to, to, to create that pirate ship, if you like, to set the foundations for pirates to flourish within an organization. As you, you highlighted the Navy earlier, they can't necessarily flourish independently all of the time in the Navy. So, what are the foundations that need to be set within a business to enable this to flourish?
1: Yeah, when I started, I sat down and I thought, what is it? What are the rules about modern organizations that are most frustrating me? And I sometimes refer to it. It's like the wedding cake of hell, just because it happened to form a kind of <laughs> wedding cake visual. Um, and it was, <clears throat> I think, number one is the silos and hierarchies. You know, we've de- mm-hmm. created organization, designed organizations originally, and I've, I've done some b- there's some great thinking and research on this um, by a woman called Sue Goss, um, who works mainly in the public sector, and she talks about, you know, the the machine mind that we've created. Um, and the idea that we designed organizations like machines because that seemed to make sense in the post-industrial revolution sort of era and we fitted people into the segments of the machine you know in particular roles and we divided in quite an unnatural way um, responsibilities and and humans don't think in that way and we don't exist in that way we're quite holistic I think everything is kind of connected in the way that it is within nature so that's a fundamental part of the problem. So breaking rules around hierarchies and silos that are, that are not serving you is one of the first ways to start. And it can be quite difficult to do that. Of course, you can't always just um, reorganize the whole organization. You have to find a way to cut across the silos and that can be you know, where you, where you start to create relationships across them or you um, create small, like I say, crews or committees that sit across silos or boundaries and figure, figuring out how to redistribute the power In a way that is not again trying to dismantle if you try to dismantle power where it is sat for a very very long time you actually kind of create a sense of chaos because people Mm. don't know where leadership and power sits and then natural hierarchies emerge so people who are used to being dominant will be still continue to be dominant but then they have no limitations to their to their role necessarily and there's no clear boundaries so i'd say distribute power find Find small ways to do it, like the way that you shift, the way that you do meetings, um, share sharing out um, responsibilities in a different way. Um, it's very usually unique to the team, um, and these 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 things do feel a little bit banal and a bit tame when I say be more pirate, and they am like, but start here, <laughs> and they're like, no, I want to, I'm I'm so fired up, I want to go guns blazing, but actually, yeah. it can really fail, so. That's, those are the, those are some, and paperwork, process and paperwork, that's the thing that I hear most, of course, is that that slows everybody down, it's mm-hmm. such a legacy, Um, so letting things go, and there's so much fear around letting process go, people, and I always try and like bust the myth that it's less risky than you think, and you you know it's the only way you're going to get to groundbreaking pioneering ideas which is kind of what you where you want to be where most companies want to be they want of course they want to be the forerunners of their industry but it's a difference between good work and groundbreaking work after yeah. all that stuff that gets in the middle um and we we just feel that it's it it gives the illusion of doing work and so people cling to it and rely on it and we've got to be you know you've got to just start to cultivate some courage around letting those things go and being okay with it and feeling that's okay. And I had so much of this feeling when I started out being a pirate and being a freelancer. I had this invisible voice at the back of my head that was, you know, all the many, many managers I'd had saying, if you're not working from Mm. nine till six, are you even really a real person? Do you have any value? And I was like, I know that this isn't productive for what I want to achieve but I couldn't quite let go of the anxiety.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. If you find your crew across the organization or within a department or whatever it happens to be, and you set out to however rigorously or gently start breaking down those silos, Mm. do you not run the risk over time of creating your own silo through the thinking that you're doing within that team? Because you share those common visions that perhaps aren't shared Broad, more broadly across the organization how do you ensure that in the process of breaking down other silos you don't create your own
1: mm. yeah that's a really good point and something we've discussed in our pirate network many times that like how do we risk becoming a bubble do we risk becoming a bubble, bubble of our own yeah. in our kind of our attitude and that's where the the concept of the edges of the map really comes in and it's probably the, one of the most important concepts in be more pirate to me um, which is the the idea that being a what it really means to be more pirate is to always be in the experimental space. You, you can't be in experimental space all the time, but if you're going to enact pirate thinking, you have to kind of always be thinking like, how do I, br- how do I break this? The, rec- the recognition that um, once you get into ca- a conditioned way of thinking, it can always become dangerous because yeah. you become a slave to it. Um, so I'd say I would encourage practices within any crew that once a month you do active things to disrupt yourself, to disrupt your team, to disrupt your bubble, um, what we call going off the edges of the map, and you have to figure out what those edges are for you. So it's finding people and and spaces often that are unusual and unexpected and will maybe scare you a bit. Um, Always asking yourself, who could I speak to who has a different perspective to me? Um, We don't do enough of that in society at large. And I think it's probably part of the reason why we've gotten to some of the problem into some of the problems we've gotten into. And they're not practices that are um, encouraged in institutions, whether they're workplaces or schools or anything. So that's what I always encourage teams to do. It's like, this is, you've got to realize that the purpose of you, your, your purpose can't just be growth, productivity, producing the next thing. It's got to also be this, the, the behave, the behaviors that actually create an innovative and um, responsible mindset, I think. And and it's gotta be going off the edges. Um, And again, those are things that are quite specific to people. You know, I I remember a really early, Be more pirate meetup, somebody, a woman said to me, I've just had a 30 minute conversation with a train driver. And I've never spoken to anyone who works in that industry before. And I now understand why the trains are on late all the time. And I don't feel quite, I don't feel so grumpy about it. (laughs) It's it's a silly example, but um, just bringing people together like that. I feel very, I feel very strongly about.
0: I want to explore that a little bit more because in the, the chapter of the mutiny mindset, you state that a pirate is not a fixed personality type or an archetype of any kind, because it's not in a permanent state, and if it would be, it would become predictable. Um, and I totally agree with this. However, in the context of a the day to day machinations of most roles, it's very challenging to stay on top of everything else let alone to consistently and consciously shapeshift, if you like, to keep that pirate thinking going. It's a big conscious effort. What is your advice to listeners about how they put that ideal of a concept, if you like, into practice? What are the tools and techniques that they can, they can apply to bring pirate thinking to the, to the fore of their consciousness? Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I want to challenge you a little bit back there, Paul, because um, this is how my my pirate mentors and coaches challenge me. It's like, is that just a little bit lazy from organizations Oh, we haven't possibly got time because we've got too much on our plate? Well, partly you need to let some stuff go because you've got to recognize you've got this is I think it comes back down to the 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 first foundational work that you would do as a pirate and where some of the stories in the book I share is that there's usually a moment of decision that people make where they go, am I going to take this seriously or am I not? Um, Am I going to be pirate or am I not? Um, And part of that is the recognition that you can't just continue as you've been going on for ages. You have to make a decision at some point that things need to change and that's got to start with you. And you, and so the, I'm not asking people to go and disrupt themselves every day, but I'm saying, can you, can you factor this in once a month? Can you, make a conscious effort. And if you need to, you know, if I was to say what's a, a, a support mechanism, find an accountability buddy, find your other pirate who's going to do this with you. Um, because again, growth and change is not comfortable. And that was a, the line that stood out to me, me and be more pirate in the original book was, we've got to get more comfortable being uncomfortable to recognize that this process will not feel the way that familiarity feels to you yes. because that's not the point of it so of course and and talk to each other you know i that's where our, our crew comes together a lot of the time and we go oh god today's been like awful because i had to say the thing that i did you know that everybody else wasn't saying and of course i got a look at a lot of strange looks and i feel that i'm gonna face an uncomfortable confrontation about it but then i'm like well that's what we're here to do that's what we've agreed upon together these are our values we know that these are our values and we know that these are the behaviors that have to stem from them so lock it down <laughs> so i am just say come back to the people who come back to the people who will buoy you up who you recognize are other pirates who remind you of who you are and what you want to achieve and don't and yeah and don't be sucked because if you're in the environment of work you're going to be sucked in by their norms mm-hmm. even if you've recognized intellectually that you want a different one so yeah i'm not say <laughs> i'm not going to say this, it's a silver bullet because that's what questions you always get asked what's the kind of silver bullet to get me from me to be with no yeah. real and no
0: <laughs> there was a part in the book that really made me smile only because we've all experienced it and that's said you when you run a be more pirate workshop there's always one voice that pipes up with something along these lines I'm the pirate I've never taken things at face value I've always disrupted and be the rebel in the group and it made me think Is the biggest challenge that you face and that organizations face not the fact that people would like to be more pirate, but actually that there's a lack of self-awareness. You know, businesses think they already are pirates. They already are innovating when in mm-hmm. fact they may be iterating as opposed to innovating. They're confusing the two. Mm. It's the big challenge, a lack of self-awareness and ego rather than the desire, if you like.
1: Sometimes it is, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's lots and lots. I mean, you know, the language is challenging. There's lots of people who call themselves disruptors, innovators, pirates, whatever and there's lots of versions of piracy out there that I don't really agree. Mm. Um, and that's why I continually mm. always reiterate the original pirate principles that I'm referring to when I say pirate, because again, it's, it's, it's collective before the individual or at least equal to the individual. Let's, let's call it that because mm-hmm. we honour the individual and their, their agency and their freedom, but there's no dominance. Um, so I think, yeah, I I think if you, to go back to your earlier question about what are the problems and things that need to change in organizations, ego and lack of self-awareness are are two of those things because business models in terms of their emotional intelligence have been quite poor historically. And that's because the culture has required a leader to lead in a particular way. They've Hmm. been required to lead as the strong man and that's echoed in politics, right? So we've got to dismantle that too. We've got to dismantle that culturally. And that, again, is small steps, huge. And that's why I quite like the the redistribution of power, because when you start to break down structurally redistribution of power, you also start to break down ego uh, as well. Um, So, yes, I definitely think that is a problem. Toxic, egotistical leadership is. But I think, you know, again, the rewriting of the rules is the central premise. And so you can rewrite the rules in any way that you deem appropriate to the situation you see in front of you. And I think one of the rewrites would be, um, how can you bring awareness to poor leadership styles? You know, mm-hmm. how, what, what kind of things can you can you do? And how can you also, and I think the the way that I advise and support people to tackle that problem is, you can't, if somebody is um, working, ha, ha, has what let's say is a, a big ego, or the ego is forf- forefront of their, their leadership style, you can't just go in and say you're wrong because you're, you're you're meeting the problem with the problem. Yes. So you have to, the way I approach it is to recognize that everybody is a product of their environment to a degree. And if you've worked, had to work in that way for a really long time, a lot of people who have a dominant leadership style have had to be dominant with other people who are dominant, yeah. right? And that's the only way they could achieve anything and get th- things done. And let's recognize that that did get things done and it worked for certain um, things that needed to be achieved in a moment in time, but it's not working anymore. Yes. So it's simply a sense of there's an, there's got to be an evolution. So I think creating a different narrative around how you dismantle that kind of behavior um, is effective. Usually effective. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's challenging.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You you talk in the book about uh, how to find power in a crisis. and And I have this belief that many businesses and business owners have discovered a level of creativity and innovation and resilience over the last couple of years that perhaps they didn't feel they had inside them. You know, the shutters literally and figuratively came down. They had to find new ways to reach customers and they thought more creatively and perhaps turned to more people than they ever had to source those more innovative ideas. Mm. How do business leaders now tap into this reserve of creative thinking and innovative thinking using the Be More Pirate methodology to to deepen its strength at the heart of the organization, to enable it to to grow creatively and innovatively in the future?
1: I think in reference to the... The idea of um, the crisis and the catalyst, what I noticed was, well, and I noticed this in myself too, but when you have a situation where the, the the rug is kind of pulled from your feet, you're not really left with too many options. And sometimes having so many options and too much of a safety net is actually quite poor for creativity and, and innovative thinking, like being pushed to a point of decision-making um, can really, activate some of the um the say the yeah the, the the really great thinking that you need to get yourself to the next level um because it's sort of now or never sink or swim mm-hmm. so i i guess um i think through a series of of um what do you call them Sim- simulated scenarios we could yeah. do um to actually push a team to you know what well, in the book i s- sort of talk about a team that did this where they they hypothetically put the scenario on the table of like what what if we closed down like, what if we didn't exist what if we shut shop we've, we, we've kind of served our purpose and and that happened in two teams and it really pushes people to go mm-hmm. oh so we can't just focus on the silly details of next quarter and all the like bits and pieces of work like we've got a really laser sharp focus in on what we are what we're about what we stand for what would what a, a really great achievement would be and then suddenly they can all come together with a with a much greater sense of unity and purpose than was there before so almost like i'd say that's slightly pulling the rug from your feet like the sense of jeopardy that pirates had originally was a fuel um it was you know are we going to make this work or are we not yeah i I think to a degree that's part of it alongside the kind of edges of the map um you know thinking i mean i've I've just done a, a kind of Rethink on risk, experimentation, and permission as three tenets of culture in a team, and how they interact with each other and what they need. Um, and I think experimentation is, you know, the route into better, more original, interesting work. And but it doesn't, it can't happen without, I think, an in-depth. Um, or let's say a reframe of what risk means to you an understanding of um, how, how much you value it as a team. And also recognizing where there is permission and not permission sets in the, in the team and looking at the psychological safety aspect of things mm-hmm. and going, really, do we have it here or do we not? And doing the work on that and the work on that, you have to, um, usually there's kind of relational work underneath it. You have to work on the, the trust within the team first and look at how you where whether the relationships need strengthening first so there's a I think I, I think if culture almost as a wedding cake too of like layers that you have to build up before you get to that creative experimental risk-taking mindset
0: so can being a pirate ultimately thrive in a organization over time without senior leadership advocacy you know is that essential to its to its growth over time, or can it survive as a, as a subculture within that organization?
1: It can, to a degree, it can. Um, I've seen it work. I think, there is, I think there is somewhat a limit on it to what can be achieved if you haven't got seen a leadership buy-in. However, this is interesting because I am currently trying to push the glass ceiling on this premise altogether Hmm. Um, and a lot of the purpose around Be More Pirate is this idea of ground-up change, mini mutinies or employee activism or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Sam and I, from the very beginning, when we had our first discussion about Be More Pirate said, we believe that this is a lever of change that has not been pulled hard enough, that people in middle management to seniorish positions who are well-educated hold quite a, and unskilled and, and, and hold a lot of power.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whatever the reason they've been conditioned out of their sense of agency and power because of the kind of work environments that they have been in for the last 20 years or so. And how do we reactivate that um, as, a, as a way to really change business and let b- business be the change for society and the world at large, instead of waiting for governments to, to do things I mean, this could happen in any organization, so it could happen in civil service, for example, too. But um, so that's really what I'm I'm interested in, what I'm working on and how do you and what are all the the various components that need to happen in order to get that working? Because I can see see the seeds of it and I've seen lots of examples, but then, like I say, it does hit a ceiling. And then on the other hand, you see examples of organizations um, reinventing themselves and offering themselves as pioneers but that's usually been CEO down they've gone right we need to change and then they've instrument um, implemented it as a whole culture change from the top so I guess that that's my mission I don't I mean you're asking me what what do what do I think is possible and I think well my job is to think what could be possible Mm -hmm. in the future
0: yeah just as part of that conversation with leaders I think you know when you there's often a common perception of, of pirates, and, and you're trying to break that down as well, but that pirates mean chaos, and actually it's not the absence of, of rules, it's just a different type of rules and structure and cultural norms and everything else. Do you think it's a fear of a loss of control, because they fear either a loss of their own control or a loss of control of the creativity or innovation within the organisation? Do you think that lies behind the reluctance in some organizations to adopt that more creative pirate-led thinking.
1: I definitely think loss of control is an issue. I think that they associate risk with loss of control, that if you mm. allow people free reign, that that's going to engender more risk. Um, when actually often it's the opposite because stagnation can also involve a lot of risk. And also yeah. when you apply tried and tested techniques in the past to um new contexts, there's risk, and you don't realize there's risk until you're in it because you're like, oh, because tried and tested in one place doesn't work in another. And there's some famous case studies on that. So actually the need for the team to to be experimental. And I think a huge, huge um issue with leader senior leadership when they're in hierarchical organizations that they don't always grasp to begin with is that they do not have the full picture of what is going on. So you have to devolve power to people closer to the crux of the problem um and allow them to make decisions quickly and freely in order to get better results but that feels way out of control and it's also assault an assault on people's professional identity because mm-hmm. y- we have to recognize this that you imbue a, you imbue power and status when people have a senior job title and a salary attached to it and they've worked really hard to get there yeah. and they climb through the hoops and they want to reap the rewards and, I, and that's normal it's human nature and part of it we need to have just conversations about that that of course Nobody wants to feel that when they get to the top, they don't have all the answers and that they haven't, they don't deserve that yes. status that they've achieved. So that's where you start to go, well, I, I need to be the one overseeing this. I'm, I'm, I'm meant to be. And, um, but, it, but when leaders can recognize that the landscape has fundamentally changed and they need to adopt different behaviors. And I think pirate can be a great mask or avatar to put on to, to, Kind of reclaim the power in in it, but recognize yeah. it just requires different behaviors. And I always suggest lots of resources of where leaders have done this, so that you can see that there's a model, no, another model out there. Um, but it is, but it is a challenge. Um, yeah, I've forgotten the rest of the question
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you discuss the importance of shared values in the book when creating an environment that embraces pirate thinking and pirate doing, if you like. And I know for my own. Experience running the new PL Brand Purpose Institute workshops that, you know, more often than not, there are too few shared values in many of the organizations we work with because over time, too many businesses have just ended up simply existing to sell. And there's no thread that binds those employees and leaders together um, other than to generate revenue and profits. There's no higher purpose, if you like. From your own experience in the workshops you deliver, how do you move those teams towards? shared values in an organization that perhaps has few shared values? Mm.
1: Yeah. Um, we, I have something called, I think of as the pirate code canvas, which is a way of um, moving them away from just values and, and thinking of it as a code,
0: mm-hmm. because the
1: code is a marrying of values and behaviors. So it, having, a, having a value is pointless if it's not shared, Um, It's not created through consensus and it doesn't have practices and behaviors attached to it. So, yeah, that's, I, I do, (laughs) the problems I see is you're right. There aren't shared values because they're imposed from the top down or there's somebody I've even, I've had this, I've experienced this quite literally myself in previous workplaces where we've even had an external agency come in and say, here's your new mission statement. And we're like, wow, (laughs) Um, (laughs) they're like, what do you think of it? And we were like, not, not great. Um, So the first thing is, well, you can quite easily, you know, there's lots of consensus um, tools you can use in order to, to generate what you think the purpose and the shared values of the organization are. The trickier thing I think is recognizing where those values are really going to play out because ultimately values don't matter at all you can stick them on the wall but they really don't matter unless they they're felt and they're practiced and so for example I mean honesty comes up a lot and so does creativity but honesty and I think you need ironically need an honest conversation about honesty because you can't be honest all the time about all things yeah it's not actually helpful so where are the boundaries, where does honesty really need to have, or perhaps we call it transparency, where does that really need to be, like things like pay scales and recruitment procedures typically are what come up. But similarly, creativity, you know, um, <laughs> you value creativity, but you don't allow the people, the, the, the true space to be creative because everybody's overwhelmed by their workload. So yeah. that's, that's been really common thread through all the workshops I've done. How do you, so what are you going to let go and and there's got to be sacrifices there and compromise and that's the tough conversation about values are you going to hold to this value is it the really the top value um so that's how I do it we I, I get people to see first usually the consensus on the values isn't difficult because they're just words at the end of the day or maybe there's a statement about the value then it's like can everybody make suggestions on what practices and behaviors um, represent those values. And then you got start to get a, a little, um, sense of, uh, where, where it's, where there are gaps and yeah, okay. feel, and then we, I mean, there's a third stage often of, okay, so where do we think those values are not being met in behaviors? And it was interesting. I did this recently with, um, not a team, but, a a group of scientists all around the world who, want to tackle climate change but they're all attached to institutions so they're Mm -hmm. all bound by what they can and can't do so it was like who are we as a crew they know what they stand for they want to tell the truth about the climate science that they're seeing but they had to come up with um some boundaries around what behaviors are are going to represent this crew you know many of them are, are part of extinction rebellion or other protest movements and things. And where are the boundaries on that? They, they mm-hmm. believe in non non violent protests, but there are certain things that cross the line there. So they needed to to establish what mm-hmm. those core practices and actions were together. And also things are boring things around governments, like how do you know, when a new scientist wants to join, what do we expect of them? Um, what's the what's the reality of what they have to do and say, or, you know, do they have to make a pledge something like that? Yeah. So Things
0: like that. You touched on courage earlier on and trust as well. And it it does take real courage uh, as a leader to move an organization from a more traditional way of thinking to one based on more pirate thinking or creative thinking, innovative thinking. And leaders also have multiple stakeholders to convince that are not always walking in the same direction, if you like, either. What's the first practical step for a business leader or an owner listening to this conversation today? what's the first practical step that they could take tomorrow to start down the route of not just thinking about pirate being more pirate, but actually applying it in the business. Mm
1: -hmm. I couldn't say that there is, I mean, again, I'm really averse to there being a formula or a recipe Mm -hmm. Um, because everybody's in a different starting point. And that's why we call it be more pirate because you're moving yourself down your pirate spectrum. But um, So it depends on, on, on how far, on where they've gotten to, you know, I would say that it does start with the the values piece. Like, what do I stand for? You know, really trying to nail that down um, first and foremost, and recognizing the gap between where you want to be and where you're at. Um, I always think that the second most important thing of a pirate to act like a pirate and be a crew, and this is not where people think pirates start, And why I challenge Sam on the rebel part of his framework. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Because actually, I I think if you're already doing it, if you're in an organization and you're trying to do it as a leader, your job is to unite your crew. Relationships, work out what the problem is in the relational aspects of your organization. Because if you're going to fight a fight um, or make changes, serious changes, you need to bring people on board with you. Um, so the values piece is really important. You've got to know what you're standing for, but then you have to get the team on board with that. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing you can do is just to build, make sure the trust is there, even if they don't agree with you, do they trust you as a human being to, do they want to go on this journey?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, really working on the relational stuff because everything falls apart. If you don't have that as the foundation.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, I think if you're, if you're doing it in a team environment already and you're embedded, that is the most important, important part. Um, Speak, have those honest conversations. And then that's the practice that we brought into workshops immediately and from the beginning is, there is not enough honesty and there is not enough, um, I wouldn't, I'm not gonna say there aren't enough difficult conversations, but I'd say there's actually not enough um, practice and training around difficult conversations. to have really tough conversations. And this came back to a company we worked with really, really early on, who the, the CEO, global, global company, really old um, food manufacturer, actually. And they really knew that they wanted to make big changes around their sustainability practices. And the CEO, you know, ha, has, a, has a lot of courage, but there's so many stakeholders and people to bring on board. And he actually needs to do all that, um, as you mentioned earlier, the kind of emotional intelligence, awareness building, bringing people on side one by one, having the courageous conversations, um, asking them about the sacrifices they might be willing to make around pay cuts and things, like getting their perspective on that. Um, And he needed, you know, he needed support and coaching to be able to have those conversations. Actually, as a leader, you can't do it on your own. So conversely, I'd say every leader should have a another pirate mentor support
0: coach agreed yeah yeah i think i certainly my experience i often find when it comes to difficult conversations that need to be had people are far more prepared to verbalize it than listen to it you know it takes a lot more i think to um to accept the challenge rather than just to verbalize the concern i think um alex it's been a really enjoyable conversation thank you so much uh we always end with off with our guests offering one Or two final pieces of wisdom for businesses to go away leaders to go away and think about and apply in their business from that perspective what would your final piece of wisdom be
1: Mm. there's so many things but i think i'm going to pick up where you just left off um i think with the with the practice um practicing uncomfortable topics with other people i think that's something that spans across lots of my work, um, not just with the, the pirates, but in terms of building leadership skills, um, practicing having uncomfortable conversations for two reasons. One, um, in doing it and, and practicing another person, you'll also practice the listening skills that you just described, but also you'll diffuse some of the emotion out of it. One of the mm-hmm. issues around being pirate is that it, you, come, you can come with a lot of frustration and anger to it well, because you're trying to change or challenge something, and um, but if you voice your concern with all that emotion still at the surface level, you create um defensiveness because people receive your emotion and don't receive your message. Yes. And so, take time out, take time out to verbalize it and refine what you want to say. Uh, it really does matter, in my opinion, and it can be the linchpin between. Somebody really hearing you and wanting to join your crew and your cause, and or seeing you as a, you know, a right pain. So, (laughs) so um, and that and that goes for that goes not just for like the employee in the organisation. That goes for the 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 business leader who wants to voice it even even on, in a in a meeting or public to the board or whomever. Recognise that people, we have got to bridge paradigms here. So, how you say it really matters. I'll leave it there.
0: That's a great piece of advice to end on. Thank you. Um, if people would like to learn more about what you and Sam do, where, where do they find you?
1: Yeah, so we have Be More Pirate is our website. BeMorePirate.com It's pretty easy. Um, we're at Be More Pirate on all social media, Instagram, Twitter. Um, Sam and I are on, quite on LinkedIn quite a lot as well. Um, yeah, you can find us all of there. It's pretty open. Um, in Awesome. Our-
0: Thank you so much, Alex. It's been a real pleasure.
1: Thanks a lot, Paul.
0: Cheers. If you've enjoyed our conversation with Alex, you can learn more about what Be More Pirate does at bemorepirate.com. And you'll also find the links and the notes that accompany this podcast. And again, if you've enjoyed the new PNL podcast, any of the episodes, please do take a moment to rate us or review us. It all helps with our ratings and our rankings. And if you'd like to become part of the movement for more principled leadership and more purpose-led business, then please do go to principlesandleadership.com and subscribe. We would love to have you as part of our community. And don't forget to pop back next week when we will release our latest, the new p l to the point episode, where we will analyze one or two of the key points that have come out of our conversation today with Alex. So finally, I'm Paul, host of the new p l Thank you once again for listening and have a great day.